Kid Noel, a short story by Willie Davis. I never work on days when there's a fire in town. It's a holiday as far as I'm concerned, and not just because it means the end of the world to some poor bastard or family thereof. I do sympathize, but a fire is bigger than that. Not all fires, of course. People burning brush doesn't do much for me. It's a controlled burn. All the smoke is gray, and I can work through that. But accidental fires, with black, oak-smelling smoke, ought to stop a town cold. For one, it's a beacon a whole city can see and smell, and so it's on everyone's mind, whether they're talking about it or not. Behind every little head nod and gruff, how's it going, you and whoever you're talking to is thinking, what's it take for that to happen to me? The wind blows south instead of southeast, or a fleck of canola oil jumps from the frying pan to the drapes, and that's me out of my home, begging mercy from my friends and neighbors. A city small as Hazard, Kentucky, can't have a home cat fire without everyone knowing how close they came to losing whatever walls we have. So on the days of a house fire, I don't work in celebration of all of us who are spared. Then again, I don't work much anyway, so another day away shouldn't cripple the economy. As it happened, I was in the dry cleaners, our family business, getting alternate earfuls for my two baby brother bosses when I caught a glimpse of black smoke rising from the mountains. I'd love to say I smelled it first, or six sensed it, or something along those lines, but that's just not true. I got a lucky look and then snuck out the back door, away from clean clothes for the rest of the day. The fire was high on the mountains where everyone could see it, the best kind. When that happens, people keep their heads angled up in the air, so they drift slightly when they walk. The only folks who look normal are the old-timers who never do anything but sit on their porch and stare up at the sky all day anyway. I never liked those kinds of old people, men and women alike. Maybe that's heresy, but it seems after a certain age people's minds and goodwill shrivel up with their bodies. What passes for wisdom is really just the stripped-down bones of their thoughts, the catchphrases they can remember now that the rest of the story's gone. I know I'm more old than young, and if I can make it another ten years with my liver unexploded, the odds are better than even, I'll wind up just like them but I still say there's something unnatural about decrepit people staring out at the world like it's got something to prove. The streets were mostly empty, so I made it down to Holiday's Bar, my old hangout when I could drink like an adult. I like the afternoon people in bars, or at least I like them in the afternoon. By nighttime, most of them would turn either blubbery or snarling, but so long as the sun was out, they always wanted to talk. Anyway, it was healthy to spend time in bars with old drunk friends, no matter what those perky straight-tooth counselors say. They'd rather have it build up in your mind like an old girlfriend or a boogeyman in your closet so that you can't go to sleep without nightmaring over it. I'd rather have it in front of me where I can see it as it is, just brown, flat liquid in a cup. Don Holliday, the owner, stood behind the bar with his belly dangling over his belt, wiping the inside of an empty glass with a Kentucky Wildcat dish rag. Good God, it's Frankie Clay, he said when he saw me. I swear you spend more time in here now than you did when you was drinking. Hanley knows three jokes, and this is one of them. Cup of coffee? Orange pop. I sidled up to the bar and tried to rub away the pain in my lower spine. At first I thought the bar was empty, but after a second look I saw there were the same number of liquid lunchers as always, but they weren't scattered out like normal. Instead, they were clustered in the corner watching the TV. What's this? I said to Don when he brought me my drink. The Reds playing? Nah, he said. There's a boy in Oklahoma who got himself stuck in a well. They've been trying to rescue him for a few hours now. That's it? 
I took a sip of pop and gargled it in the back of my throat. Why don't they just yank him out? I turned to face the crowd. Why is this on TV anyway? Isn't he ambassador's kid or something? He's not a fish, Frankie. Don slapped me with his dish rag. You can't just drop a line and bring him up. His back may be broke, and if they don't do it proper, then he could wind up a cripple. Say, Alex, he called to, over to the group in the corner. What are they saying about this kid? Gray-faced Alex Hobbs turned around and yelled, They got his voice coming out up the top. They say he's okay, but no one knows for certain. Maybe he hit his head, they say. No one knows right now. Great. I swirled the orange pop in the back of my throat. I used to drink whiskey the same way, and it was better. I'd hate to learn that this kid's got brain damage. It's not like he's smart enough to keep out of wells in the first place. Everyone groaned. I still couldn't make out the people, but my eyes were adjusting to the dark, and I was hoping I could pick them out by their voices when they yelled at me. Come on, now. This was Pops Larkin, my old boss, from back in the days when I could still get semi-gainful employment from people who didn't share my last name. He was a small but powerful man, and he spoke with a thick croak that sounded like a flat trombone. He's a kid, a poor boy who didn't know any better. You telling me if you don't care if you, this kid makes it or not? No one's saying that. I took another sip of orange pop, but could barely taste it. But it's just one kid. In Oklahoma, someplace I've never been and no one here's ever been. I'm rooting for him, sure, but if he doesn't make it, then so what? You guys know my brother Arnold and his wife? She got cancer about a year ago, got her left tit chopped off. That's the same as some kid out in a hole out west. They're both sad. For one, it was three years ago, Pop said. Don't try to get our sympathy with it if you can't remember when it was. He walked up close to me and threw a wadded up bill on the bar. One more, Donnie, he turned to me. What's your point, anyway? What's your brother's wife got to do with anything? All right, fine. I drained the last of my drink and crunched an ice cube with my back teeth. You boys remember baby Jessica they got from the well? I saw a picture of her when she was maybe, like, 16. Braces and pimples and big and fat. I was thinking, put her back, please. Frankie, take it easy, man. Don snatched up Pop's money and put an amber beer on the bar. It's not like there's two sides here. A kid's in a well, and we all want him out. What are you trying to start a fight for? Starting nothing, I said. But there are two sides. There's the side that wants to watch a live video of the top of a well, and then there's the side that says maybe something better's on. Something that'll give us a little more conversation, at least. Baseball's on, I know, even if the Reds aren't. Anybody else want to change the channel? Am I alone on this? Come on, a show of hands. It's on every station, Don said. Anyway, it's my bar, and we watch what I say. Every station, I said. Christ alive, every single station's got some redneck sheriff staring down at a hole in the ground. This isn't real. Has anyone noticed there's a house on fire just up the mountain? That's not Oklahoma either, that's here. So what, Don said. So we sh you think we should all go up and look at that instead? That's better than this? Come on, buddy, don't you have kids? This was Alex Hobbs again. He'd known me for years, but kept drunk enough to where he could ask the same question over and over and stay surprised at the answer. You know what it's like when a child's in trouble. I like kids, I said. It's sad when one of them gets killed or cancer, but this is different. Kids probably liking it down there. Just get to stare up at the sky like it's a big blue television. It's relaxing. Plus, he's got all the attention he wants. 
Probably will wind up meeting the governor. Maybe some prick's going to write a folk song about him. All things being equal, diving down that well is not a bad business move for this boy. Here, Don said. He poured a real whiskey straight up and plopped it in front of me. Go on, take it. When you was drinking, you were better at pretending not to be such an asshole. Go on, I won't charge you. I stared up at him. Just like every drunk's got to get used to those folks who talk to him like a foreigner or a child, every recovering drunk's got to get used to people thinking he's going to go into spasms at the sight or smell of the first free drink. I'm not drinking it, Donnie. You know that. Calm down, he said. I'm just kidding. I heard the door swing open and I turned around. Jesse Dunaway, a college kid working at the dry cleaners for the summer, stuck his head in and smiled when he saw me. When he, was in so when he was in high school, I used to watch him play small forward for the Hazard Bulldogs. I remember he had the best pump fake I'd ever seen, and even now, nursing a drinking problem and smoking like a diesel. He kept something of that athlete's grace about him. Jesse, my boy, I said. Come on in. I just bought you a drink. No, thanks, he said. I'm on the clock right now. I know, I said. My brother sent you to come here and collect me, right? He nodded. He said you were gone, so he figured you came here. I patted the stool next to me. Come on, I'm your boss, and I'm telling you to have a drink. Sit. He walked over to me gingerly and sat down. When I slid the whiskey in front of him, he narrowed his eyes and, and looked between me and Don. You buy this? Yeah, I bought it for you. Now drink it. It's full. I didn't steal any. He didn't drink it, Don said. All he's had is orange soda, so don't worry. Jesse looked down at his hands and flashed a nervous smile. He took a small sip of his drink and looked over at the crowd in front of the television. The Reds playing? Two peas in a pod, you two. Don cracked a sideways smirk. Now, some of us were concerned about this kid in Oklahoma stuck in a well. Frankie's about to tell us how kids are meant for drowning and every well should have a baby or two in it. We're all listening. I turned around. They were all listening. When Christ grants me an audience, I usually don't hesitate to exploit his goodwill. But I needed to clear the air first. I leaned in close to Jesse and blew a breath on him. Smell that, I said. No booze on it. Don't go telling my brothers I'm drinking, not even that you suspect it if you do. He shrugged, smiled, and leaned back, away from me. I don't suspect anything. He took a slow drink of whiskey and set it down on the bar. Maybe I'm the only one, but I don't. Good boy. I turned around. The crowd, at least what passes for a crowd, was still more interested in me, in the, in me than the television, but I knew that wouldn't last forever. Tell me, Jesse. I spoke loud enough for everyone to hear me. You heard anything about this case on TV we're talking about? A couple of guys at the cleaners were talking about it. He sniffed his whiskey and held it in front of his face, but didn't drink. What are you going to do? On TV, they showed a still picture of a, sm of a smiling, curly-headed boy in overalls. Pale skin, very dark hair, and almost Italian eyes. Without realizing it, I assumed he'd be a blonde. They shouldn't do that, Jesse said. Showing his picture, I mean. He reached over the bar, grabbed a fingerful of ice, and dropped it in his drink. I know they gotta show something, but now everyone's gonna think he looks like that. When they bring him out and he's bleeding and purple, we're all gonna be horrified. It's like the card, uh, it's like a card trick the news plays. Draw you in expecting one thing, then show something else. You know, I once saved a black kid from drowning, I said. 
This was down in Florida when I was a kid. You did not, Pop said. Stop lying. No one's lying, I said. A little black kid, maybe six years old. If I hadn't have been there, there's no way he would have made it. Seriously? Jesse said. He lit a cigarette and laid the pack on the bar. This isn't a joke or anything. Like, you didn't try to drown the kid and then change your mind at the last second. Don slid me over a fresh glass of orange pop. For the first time, I saw he was sweating. Not much, but a visible sheen that ran from the bags under his eyes to his mustache. This wasn't just the fat man sweat we all have to deal with in July. He looked sick. When I was 17, my dad was thinking of franchising the cleaners. There was this place in Tampa he thought he could take over, and so the family made a vacation out of it. Now, at the time, 17, remember, I was working on this mustache. I was growing it thin like the Mexicans wear them, but it wasn't coming in right. Well, stop the presses, Frankie, Pop said. He laughed and slapped the table. Fat alcoholic once attempted mustache. Seriously, buddy. This came from some shaggy, baby-faced blonde under the television. I didn't recognize him, but if I had to guess, I would say he was a distant relation to Pops. Get to the drowning. I stood up. If I was getting asked questions by strangers, then I figured it was all right to take command of the room. Ingrates, every one of you. Do you go to church and say, get to the crucifixion? I'm setting a scene here, trying to make you bums understand what's going on. I spun around towards Jesse. Now where was I? Mustache, he said. You're growing it Spanish style, but it wasn't coming in real well. Right, I said. That actually didn't have anything to do with the story. But remember, we're on vacation, and Dad's working most of the time. So my brothers are about nine and eight, and they want to go to the zoo and watch the lions get fed, throw peanuts at the elephant, shit like that. I'm happy to play along, but no self-respecting 17-year-old wants to spend his Florida trip looking at a white rhino. You were self-respecting at 17, said Pops. What happened? So, I'm packed up and ready to go to the zoo, and I see this Asian girl from out the window. Looks like a pinup, this girl does, and she's lying by the pool getting sun. I'd never seen a TV star-looking woman before. I was like you guys, settling for thinking about the tan-in-a-bottle hazard cheerleaders. But once I see this Asian, I couldn't think of much else. What's wrong with hazard cheerleaders? The baby-faced blonde in the corner said. My sister cheers for hazard. Well, congratulations, I told him. I don't know you, but I'm looking at you now, and trust me, unless she's adopted, your sister can't hold a candle to this Asian girl. Hey, the man said. He stood up, but I knew he wasn't going anywhere. I was too old and too soft for this guy to get any pleasure from smacking me around. It would have been an ugly scene, a vicious, one-sided pounding that wouldn't have played well in his memory. Then Pop stood up and put up a pacifying hand. He didn't say nothing's wrong with hazard cheerleaders. He said he used to think about them, and if you're wondering what's his fucking point, you're not alone. You're growing a Spanish mustache, staring at a slope, and about to save a black boy. When you were drinking, you could at least tell us lies without turning yourself into a League of Nations. What's your point? My point? I wrapped my knuckles on the bar. Jesse, tell them my point. He shrugged. His point is that I don't know what his point is because he's not done with his story because you guys keep interrupting. Give that man a refill, I said. He knows what I'm talking about. I took a step in the direction of the crowd in the corner. Now, let's see. I was talking about the Asian. You get the picture, right? So, once I see her, I know what I gotta do. 
I tell my mom I got a stomach virus so I can stay in the hotel all day. I was too shy to talk to her, but I wanted to keep looking at her. So I wait until they're gone, pour myself some of my dad's rum in a styrofoam cup. I knew I couldn't just sit next to her and make googly eyes without getting maced, so I look for a book or something I can pretend to read. But nobody in my family reads, so there are no books in the room except for my brother's Encyclopedia Browns, and that might give off the wrong impression. Oh yeah, Jesse said. You wouldn't want her to think that a 17-year-old who spends his vacation ogling her was unsophisticated. Right, I said. So I go in and I take out the Gideon's Bible. My mom left her compact in the sink, so I taped it to the inside pages. That way I could admire my new mustache without seeming vain in front of the Asian. You taped a mirror to the Bible, Don said. On TV, a cartoon son hawking detergent or floor wax danced on some blonde family supper table, which was good news. If they cut to a commercial, that meant they were still a long ways away from fishing the kid out. If they rescued him in mid-story, then I'd never get the crowd back. So, I'm poolside, sitting in one of those white plastic chairs, having a time, staring at the Asian and myself, trying to figure out who's prettier. Then, from out of nowhere, from out of nowhere, Pop said. He laughed and clapped his hands until the sound disappeared into a smoker's cough. I love how he builds it up. Let me guess. Then, from out of nowhere, our conquering sack of guts, Frankie Clay, sees this black boy underwater. He puts on his cape with the big ass on it, saves the boy, gives him mouth to mouth, marries his oriental, then goes on to drink his life away. That it? Then, from out of nowhere, I said, this geriatric old man comes racing in to ruin the story. But as our narrator is a righteous man, he will not be dissuaded by feeble naysayers. As I was saying then, from the pool I see this black kid paddling around in the shallow end. Cute as a fucking June bug this kid was. Big afro hair, Bermuda shirts, those plastic things kids put on their arms. Floaties, Jesse said. That's how I learned to swim. Yeah, floaties, I said. I mean, this kid could have been a Huxtable. Sounds like you fell in love twice that day, Pop said. Rimshot, please. My God, Pops, looking like Don Rickles doesn't make you funny. I walked back to the bar and grabbed my orange pop. No, I didn't fall in love at all that day, even if I wish I did. I just thought it's worth mentioning that I noticed the kid whose life I'm about to save. It's called foreshadowing. I took a swig of pop, then sucked the flavor off the back of my lips. Like I was saying, this kid was cute, but the Asian was massage parlor beautiful. Guess which one I'd rather look at. The Asian? Alex Hobbs said. I mean, if it was me, that's who I'd look at. Yes, Alex, that's right, I said. I went back to looking at the Asian, but I'm only eyeing her for maybe a minute and a half when I hear this couple going at it on the other side of the pool. Going at it, Jesse said. You mean fighting or making out? Fighting. I walked back to the center of the crowd. This black couple, the kid's parents, I think. The guy looks rough, like he used to be handsome but bloated up, had red eyes like a junkie, and he keeps saying, weak. This is weak, man. This whole trip is weak. His wife, this little fat chunk of a woman, just stood there and took it. Sometimes she rolled her head, but that was pretty much it. It was pretty dull as far as fights go, but I kept an eye on them, hoping it might escalate. What were they arguing over, Don said. I don't know. The guy said he was getting a can of Coke, and the girl says, Well, give me one, too. He says, That's weak, and stomps off without her. Now, about this time, I decide I'm no longer interested, and I wanted to see what my mustache looks like when I'm no longer interested. Except, 
I see the kid still in the pool, and he's headed for the deep end. But he's got the floaties on, Jesse said. He lit another cigarette and French inhaled, which surprised me. I knew ex-athletes could smoke, but I didn't think they would be good at it. You can't sink with those. Even if his head goes under, he's not really in trouble. That's what I thought, I said. So the first time he dips underwater, I'm not really worried. But then he doesn't come up. I stand up and go over by the edge. I say, hey, sailor. This is true. I called him sailor. I say, hey, sailor, you okay down there? You need a hand or something? What'd he say? Alex Hobbs asked. Uh, he said, 10-4, buddy. I'm doing fine. And by the way, I love your mustache. 10-4, Alex said. Like a trucker, he talked. No, he didn't say that. I downed half my pop and gurgled it in the back of my throat. He was underwater. What's he going to say? But he still had the floaties on, Jesse said. I mean, worse comes to worse, he's still floating. You just got to turn him around, right? Well, I couldn't see him, I said. So I went up to the edge of the pool and looked down. The kid's kicking like a mule, spinning around in circles. At this point, I realized that's all he's been taught about swimming, that he's got a kick. I shout out to him, Use your arms, buddy, like this. And I try to doggy paddle, but he can't hear me. Now, I know he's underwater, and I know he's in trouble, but he's still got the plastic on his arms, so I think he'll be fine. Then all of a sudden, I get this clear-eyed vision, and I know this kid's going to drown if I don't stop it. I saw that black kid drown with that pale loose skin the drowning corpses have, and those water-red eyes, and I saw me beating on his chest, and him trying to spit that water up out at me, but it never getting past his throat. I saw all that, maybe not like it was 100% real, but at least as clear as I could see the Asian's tits, and I had to stop it. So I sat down and took off my sneakers. You took off your sneakers? Pop said. The boy's drowning. You got religion wanting to save this kid so bad, you stopped to take off your shoes? Why don't you put zinc on your nose while you're at it? What are you doing wearing sneakers at a pool anyway? Alex asked. Didn't you have no flip-flops? I snuck a glance at Jesse to see how he was taking it. He was acting distant, like he could hide from the story behind a cigarette smokescreen. It was an act, of course. He's not the sort that can remove himself from someone else's story. But the fact that he could be aware of himself enough to try to put on the act meant I wasn't telling it as well as I should. The story was easier to tell with a drink in your hand, but times change, and I ought to get used to telling it with orange pop and rotted teeth instead of rye whiskey and a warm heart. So... I take off my sneakers, which, I agree, in retrospect, was a mistake, and dive in head first. Head first? Jesse said. I know, I said. Bad idea. Turns out the water wasn't deep as I thought. I spent my forehead on the pool bottom, bleeding everywhere, and I can't see a thing. To make it worse, I start flailing all my limbs around, trying to get up on the surface, and I kick the kids square in the stomach. Finally, I take my head out of the water, and it hurts to breathe, my lungs are so wet. But I calm myself, and I get some air back. It's hot out there, and I remember not wanting to go back underwater. Except that kid's doing worse. Much worse, now that I kicked him. And I'd hate for people to think I dove in the pool to kick a drowning boy. There's nothing worse than that. You could have shot him, Alex Hobbs said. That'd have been worse. Uh, molesting him would have been worse, too. You're right, Alex, I said. Still... Although Alex raises a good point, I didn't want to kick a drowning boy. So I wipe the blood off my face and go back under. I can't see all that well, but I make out this big brown blob and scoop it out. 
We're both gasping for air, and I'm trying to take him to the shallow end, but it's all I can do to stand and carry the kid at the same time. Still, we make it over to the side, and for a while, it's just the two of us, panting, laying out on the concrete like a couple of beached whales. Neither of us is talking for a while, but then I realize I should ask his name. Before I can get to it, I hear this woman saying, What's all this? It was a kid's mother standing over me, out for blood. I can't really talk at first. I'm too tired, so I just gesture over at her son. I, says, I asked you a question, she says, and she's shaking her head, making all her chin fat wobble from side to side like a turkey. Your son, I said, he was in the water. She says, I know he was in the water, motherfucker. I put him in the water. I try sitting up, but I can't quite do it. She yanks the kid by the hand and waddles off. I sat down in my original seat and finished off my orange pop. They were looking at me, waiting for me to finish. So that's it, Don said. She just walked off. Yes, that's it. I tried laughing, but it didn't sound real. I saved the kid. What do you want me to do? Give a hundred dollars to the Red Cross in his name? But you didn't really save him, Don said. He emptied Jesse's ashtray and replaced it with a clean one. The kid had his face in the water. You belly flop on top of him, get balled out by his mom. That's not really saving a kid from drowning. Yeah, it is, Jesse said. No matter how he did it, if he doesn't jump in, the kid sinks. That's saving him, right? He leaned closer to me. What'd the Asian think? Worst part about it, I said. She'd fallen asleep and missed the whole thing. The one heroic act of my life, and it didn't get me laid. I'm telling you, Frankie, it's not heroic, Don said. He poured himself a whiskey glass full of pale ale. He wasn't drowning. He just had his head down. Ask his mom if it's heroic. It's not heroic, Pop said. It's not heroic because it never happened. Exactly, the shaggy blonde said. I was wondering how long we'd have to listen to this shit before someone called him on it. Pop stood up and cocked his head back. First of all, when was it? You were a teenager. How likely was it that blacks and whites would share a swimming pool in Florida? Plus, this kid's got a flotation device but sinks anyway. He wasn't sinking, Don said. He just had his head down. He wasn't sinking because he didn't exist, Pop said. Unless you believe that the Asian, wide awake one minute, falls asleep and stays asleep through a messy rescue and a screaming match. Jesse lit another cigarette. I believe him. He coughed and then started again. I mean, what are we talking about? Sixties, early seventies? Florida's not Alabama. Blacks and whites can share a hotel pool. Especially in a city like Tampa. As for the Asian, maybe she didn't exist, but I bet the black kid part is true. Don topped off Jesse's whiskey and leaned into him, conspiratorially. You've been gone a long time, kid. You didn't know this guy in his prime. He once told me he was Henry Clay's great-grandson, so I'd pour him a free drink. Great-great-grandson, I said. And why else would we have the same last name? You see, Don said, you see what we have to deal with? Good God, this isn't even talking about the women. You know Molly Donaldson? He told her he was a notary public and a licensed massage therapist just to get her to have a drink with him. But he got her too drunk and they both passed out on the bench over there. All right, wait a second, I said. First, I didn't get too drunk. That was my plan, to pass out next to her. Second, you're supposed to lie to women. If you count lying on dates, then every man in here is a liar ten times over. That wasn't a date, Pop said. You just got her drunk. 
Well, all right then, I said. But if that's not a date, then I've never been on a date in my life. Can we back up a second? Don said. He took a sip of some clear liquor he'd poured in while we weren't looking. At one point, this was about Frankie saving a black boy. He stopped and wiped the wetness from his lips with the back of his hand. Actually, at one point, this was about a kid in Oklahoma stuck in a well. What's your point, Frankie? His point's nothing, the shaggy blonde at Pop's table said. He wants to try to impress us. No one buys it, so he changes the subject. That's his point as far as I can tell. I want to impress you, I asked the kid. Ask Molly Donaldson. If I wanted to impress you, I'd buy you a drink and fall asleep next to you. Anyway, your precious kid's still in as well. You can go on sobbing over him. Meanwhile, the only man among you who's done a damn thing worth talking about is offering you a life lesson, and you're smacking my hand away. A life lesson, Pop said. I gotta get a life lesson from a never-married 300-pounder with a half-exploded liver? He turned to Jesse. Son, you're young enough to still make a bad decision and have it matter. I'll buy you a drink if you promise to me and everyone in here that you don't trust this man's lies. Just please, restore my faith in America's youth. Jesse downed the last of his drink and stood up. You're forgetting, he said. Frankie's my boss, and if I don't offend him and get fired, I can afford to buy a lot more drinks than one. He nodded to me and signaled to the door. Anyway, we gotta get back to the cleaners. Your brother told me to check here first, and if we're much later, he's gonna know we've been drinking. You've been drinking, my boy, I said. Not me. I've been patiently illustrating my superiority to the rabble here, each of which owes God at least one black child. I gave half a bow to the crowd in front of the TV. But, fellows, I'll leave you secure in the knowledge that you've done less with your life than the man you look upon as the town drunk. The shaggy blonde stood up and pointed to the door. You out, he said. Just go, man. I put my hands up, shrugged, and followed Jesse out the door. The sun shone bright, dead in our eyes, and we both stopped for a second to get our bearings and readjust to the heat. The smoke from the house fire had thinned and mostly disappeared, but I could still smell where it used to be. Jesse slipped another cigarette into his mouth and grinned at me. I knew it was coming. Go ahead, kid, I thought. Break my heart. Ask me if I'm telling the truth. But he just fiddled around in his pocket and brought up a lighter. That kid in Oklahoma, he said. You know they're going to save him. They wouldn't have made a national story if they weren't sure they could bring him up alive. Frankie? I heard someone call from behind me. Alex Hobbs stood with his hands on his knees, panting from running out of the bar. Was that true what you said in there? He said. Pop said he'd buy me two drinks if I got you to admit you're lying. I looked at Jesse and gave a big sigh. Some people, I thought. You can tell them the story of your life, and all they care about is whether or not they believe you. If you think I was lying about the black boy, then why'd you trust me to tell the truth now? Alex looked around, confused. Pop said he'd buy me two drinks if I got you to admit you were lying. Fine, I said. I made it all up. Be sure to get something expensive. Alex rubbed his forehead. So you was lying? It's possible, I said. And it's possible that the truth isn't worth one drink, let alone two. 
Alex let a quick childlike smile flash through his sunken hangdog face and ran back to the bar to collect his reward. Jesse nodded to me and started walking down the road, back to the cleaners, and I followed, having to almost run to keep up with his long-legged stride. You know, I said, there was a fire on the mountain just this afternoon. I know, Jesse said. I heard the sirens when I was coming to get you. I'd guess no one was hurt. No one? I said. How long you been gone? The fire department here can't get a cat out of the tree without killing it. You expect them to put out a house fire without anyone getting hurt? Maybe, he said. He took a long drag off his cigarette and blew the smoke above his head. But the only reason I can pry my eyes open every morning is that I only believe whatever I want to believe. How long have you been doing that? About a year, he said. It's not easy, but I'm starting to get the hang of it. Sometimes I forget, but not as much recently. I tried something like that, I said. Got me sent to rehab a few times, but whatever keeps you going's all right, I suppose. I turned back to the bar to see if I could field any more questions, but the door stayed closed.